anything that you have to gain in your own striving, you have to keep in your own striving. God says not to strive. Strive is just fear. But a life that's lived through Jesus is a life that's so surrendered to truth. And it's a life that is it's yielded to whatever he says, and there's a contentment within them. There's a contentment on the inside of you. You don't need to strive. We don't strive. Turn your Bibles to 1 John and chapter 4. 1 John and chapter 4. Church of God, you have overcome the world because you have been born of God. You have overcome the world because you have been born of God. If you're a believer, you have been born of God, which means you have overcome the world and everything that is in the world, every assignment, every trickery, every scheme, you have overcome it because of Christ in you. 1 John 4, 4 says the devil is the prince of the power of the air, but it is Christ in me who has overcome because he says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when you start to think about this, that the fact that the word says no weapon formed against me can prosper, no weapon formed against you can prosper. None of you, none of you in the name of Jesus when you realize no weapon formed against you can prosper and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you are called to command that tongue to be silenced and to be cast out. Not somebody else. That's your job. When you remember that the word of God says a thousand may fall by your side, 10,000 by your right hand, but it shall not come near you, near me, right? Every single one of you. So let me just give you a little bit of, um, of text here as to where, where we are going here today. On Saturday, some of you guys were here on Saturday night, and powerful, powerful night. We were shut down twice on our live stream, and on Facebook, that is, because the devil is threatened and he's afraid when bold Christians walk in their rightful authority. And so we were literally shut down in our live stream twice. We got back on, and for those of you that were here or watched the video, you will know we just grabbed our phones and got back on. The word of God will come forth and go out. How many of you guys watched that video on the network, not on YouTube, but on Mighty Wind? Let me see your, raise your hands. If you went to Mighty Wind. How many of you watched it on YouTube? You did? Okay. So on YouTube, it's like 20 minute version. They cut it. It's a 50, it's like a 60 minute teaching, guys. It's an hour long. So if you, if you went to YouTube, you missed quite a bit of the teaching. You're going to have to go over to the, I know, right? People are rolling their eyes going, wow. Let me tell you, this is what the beauty of having our own TV network. Yeah. So on the network, that's why you got to get used to going to mwbn.tv, you know, mighty win. And on the network, you'll be able to see the whole hour's worth because there's teaching that you missed if you only if you only listen to the YouTube version. But anyway, the enemy was really upset, really threatened. He was mad because there was truth being spoke, spoken. But I'll tell you, we live in a day and an hour that we cannot shy away from truth. You know, I said key words, trigger words, like gay, homosexual, lesbianism, and all that. And the fact that it's demonic, and the fact that it is not of God, and it comes straight from the pit of hell. And it upset a few people. I don't know why, do you? Because they certainly say a lot of things that should upset us and offend us. And so we we need to realize that we are in a place where our children and our children's children, right, are being fed a bunch of garbage, and they, we need to speak the contrary, the opposite, the, the truth, which is the truth, right? 
And so I say that to tell you, so what if Facebook shuts you down? You just get on another way. You can't be intimidated by pleasing some person. Do you remember what Jesus said to Peter when he did not agree with what was coming out of Peter's mouth? Because Peter was acting in the flesh. And he said, get behind me, Satan. And he said this to Peter, not because Peter was Satan, but because Peter was operating out of a flesh mode, out of his flesh, right? And so when you operate out of your flesh and not of your spirit, you're contrary to the purity of God's presence. You're walking contrary. God wants you to walk in the spirit. And so here, Jesus was very strong in the wording that he chose. He didn't say, hey, Peter, you're walking in the flesh. Hey, Peter, it's the perfect will of God for me to, do th to go through this. No. He could have said that. He could have said, Peter, it's the perfect will of God. You know, hey, I know you're just trying to be nice. I know you love me. I know you love me, and you don't want anything bad to happen. No, Jesus didn't say that. He looked at it not with natural eyes. The problem is, is that people look at things with their natural eyes, even though they know, they know what the word says, uh, that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. When you remember this, when it becomes so ingrained, you're not going to look at Peter and say, oh, Peter. No, you're going to look at Peter and you're going to see the enemy that's being spoken, that's speaking through him, and you're going to say, out in the name of Jesus. Get behind me, Satan, right? And so we have to be bold enough to carry the torch, the torch, which is the fire of God, which speaks truth. Now, we're not the only ones. There are pockets of people that are rising up and doing the very same thing, which is wonderful. Praise God. We need to be on the same page as believers. We cannot allow, we cannot allow the world's agenda to just go ahead and fill and indoctrinate our minds and, and the youth of our, of our culture. Amen? Amen? So we need to know when to speak, and we need to use the wisdom of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. This is a scripture you really ought to know. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Because when are we supposed to speak up, and when are we supposed to, how, what kind of wisdom, obviously heavenly wisdom, but the Bible says, answer a fool according to a fool, and you become a fool. But in the very next verse, it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. First, he says, answer a fool according to a fool, and you become a fool. Sometimes when you speak to stupidity, you just become stupid. Sometimes when you just go ahead and speak to something that you should have never spoke to, you just entered into the realm of stupidity. I mean, answer a fool according to a fool, and you become a fool. There are times it's better just to keep silent. There are times, and how do you know? Through wisdom, the wisdom of the Lord. But in the very next verse, it says, answer a fool according to his folly, according to his, you know, sin, his, his stupidity. And it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So there's a time where God says, I'm going to give you wisdom, and you're going to speak up, and you're going to speak wisdom, truth, in the face of, foolishness because otherwise they'd be wise in their own eyes. In other words, pride starts to set in if you don't speak up. You need to know by the Spirit of God. So I'm, I'm saying this because obviously that's a very strong message of what I spoke on on Saturday night. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful God gave me that message 
Praise God. I don't back down. Uh, you know, fear of man? Oh, no. No fear of man here. That went out the window a long time ago. Long time ago. And you should be happy. You should be happy. There are times that God will say, no, just be silent and keep praying. But you know how long is a church just going to be silent and keep praying and not do anything, right? Not speak up. Now, I think most of you that know me for a long period of time would know this is not against the individual because I have a heart for homosexuals and, and for those that are in, in any kind of confusion like that, with sexual confusion and such. I have a heart, and I've always prayed, even before I even had a church, I had prayed, Lord, bring me the prostitutes and bring me the homosexuals and bring me those that the church does not understand and, and doesn't know what to do with. I've prayed that prayer for so many years, and so the fact that God has done that. Do you know the times that I've ministered to some of those that are in that type of a lifestyle? There's nothing but love because they're deceived. Why? Because you look at the spirit. You look at this, the spirit is operating through them, but you have to look at them. What I'm saying is, is when you speak to them, you see the heart of God in them and you see, you see they're trapped and you see that they want help, but they don't know how to get help. They don't know how because their deception is so strong. But I want you to know this one thing. Don't be afraid of this topic. You shouldn't shy away. It's not taboo. We're called by God and we're equipped by God to actually go in the highways and byways. And bring them in. Yes, you minister to them out there. But what about bringing them in? Bring them in, because this is a place where they'll get delivered, they'll get saved, they'll get healed, because we love the individual, but the sin we hate, and we're not afraid to call out the sin, but at the same time, we'll love that individual to life, and we need to love that individual to life, because right now, they're walking in death. First John 4, 4, I'll read it to you again. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I say, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Okay? So, who is in you? Jesus is greater than he who is in the world. Who is in the world? Satan, the father of lies. Uh, he who is in you, Jesus, is greater than he who is in the world. That's why he said you have overcome them. Overcome whom? Overcome the wiles of the enemy. Four scriptures that tell you that Satan is the prince of this world. Okay? Four scriptures. John 12, 31. It says, John 12, 31. Now judgment is upon the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Judgment, it says, is upon the world. But the ruler of this world will be cast out. Well, who's that judgment for? It's not, it's not the Lord. The Lord's not going to be cast out. Satan, who is the one who is the prince of the power of the air, is going to be cast out. We know his destiny. Say, I know his destiny. He does too. John 14, 30, I will not speak, this is Jesus, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing on me. We are as Jesus is, and he has nothing 
on me. You need to stop being afraid and intimidated by everything that comes along that is not of God. It is has nothing on you, on me, nothing at all. You've got to know that the word of God is powerful and so much more powerful than tactics of the enemy. That's why I've been teaching you for so long now about letting the word of God come out of your mouth. Let the sword, which is the word, come out of your mouth. Don't just think it, but speak it. Know it and believe it. Ephesians 2, 2 in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air. There is a prince of the power of the air that is working, but he's only working in those that are in disobedience to the Lord. He's only working in the lives of those that are literally in disobedience. Can you be a Christian and still be disobedient to the Lord? Of course you can be. So who's working through you, Peter, at that moment? Who's working through you, Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Who's working through you, Peter, at that moment? Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It just means at that moment, you chose to yield to your flesh instead of to the spirit of God. And so the, the prince of the power of the air is working through the lives of those that are disobedient. And I'm sure you are all thinking of people that you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this person and that, my son, maybe you're thinking of yourself. I don't know. But if so, one moment with the king turns it around. Repentance, repentance. Lord, forgive me. I don't want to walk like that. And if that's where you are today, then ask God to forgive you. Amen. Ask God to forgive you because you know what? I'll tell you, one of, the best, one of the best ways of moving in the glory that we talk about so much of God, one of the best ways of moving in the supernatural and the power of God is walking humbly before the Lord, but truly surrendered. Like none of me and all of you, right? None of my desires, my ways, but all of yours, Father God. Lord, be first and foremost in my life. Uh, Jesus is everything. If I could say, you know... I, I feel so grateful that I have the opportunity of sharing, you know, from the Word of God based on my life and what God has taught me over the years. Oh, I haven't arrived, and I don't do everything perfectly, that is for sure, but I do strive for that. It is my heart's desire. I, there's no willful, you know, sin, that's for sure. No, I, I fear God, but I'm saying we're all in the road, and we're all in process, right? We're all in process. But I do know this one thing. I am grateful to have the opportunity to speak to you and to, and to pray and to minister and to impart because of what God's done for me. And I want so much more for every single one of you. I want so much more. I want you to be able to walk in everything God has called you to. Everything. Not a shadow of it. Not a portion of it. But submission to the Lord is key. Walking humbly before him is key, and there's so much peace in it. There's so much peace. You know, I, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. When you, you surrender to Jesus, it doesn't matter if anything else changes in your life because Jesus has already taken residence. And so even in a difficult circumstance, in a marriage or in a situation with a child or something or in a health situation, right, you pray it through, yes, but the bottom line is 
It doesn't have you anymore. It doesn't grip you anymore. The fear doesn't grip you anymore. The anxiety, the, the pain, the struggle, whatever it might be, it doesn't grip you anymore because Jesus has taken residency, like fully. How many of you would say, I totally understand what you're talking about? Okay, there's a few of you. And then how many of you would say, well, I'm, in, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Amen. And that's just, you know, that's just honesty. And I appreciate the honesty because we're all on our way. We're all on our way. But I do, I do know that there is definitely a difference between striving in your prayer and striving in your life for things to churn, turn and to change, right? And literally knowing your authority and not being afraid to use it, but walking in total peace, complete peace. Somebody may see you in prayer and think, man, like you're so stressed out because you're like violently attacking the assignment of the enemy and think that you walk in a place of stress and anxiety and no peace. Absolutely not. You just know your authority and the violent take it by force. That's all that's all about. But when you get up, you walk in total peace because the Prince of Peace lives on the inside of you, right? So we have to know that the you know, the, the assignment of the enemy, he's the one that roams around and he wants to work in and through the lives of those that are disobedient. But that's not you because today, if it was you today, you're making a new choice. I'm making a new choice. Okay, let's go to, let's go to 1 John now and in chapter 4. I want to read to you some things of 1 John 4. Now, he who keeps his commands, it says, he who keep, he keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Jesus abides in us. He wants to abide in us. Abide means not shifting and moving and here today and, you know, but constantly, right? Okay, verse 1, sorry, that was 24 of chapter 3, but it's all good. Verse 1 of chapter 4, beloved. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Test the spirits, whether they are of God. Test the spirits to see if they be true. It says, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets. They'll go out into the world. You know that even in the last days, we are in the last days, and you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, and you're going to hear all kinds of prophets and prophecies, but they're not necessarily all of God. You've got God, you've got Jesus, right? You've got the enemy and you've got flesh. And so not everything you hear comes from the spirit of the living God and you need to know what does. It says, test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this, verse two, you know the spirit of God. Here's the litmus test. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit he says, to test the spirits, by this you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is of God. How many of you also know that there are some witches and people in the New Age community that also will say, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? How many of you guys know that they have spoken that? Yeah, yeah so some of you do. So... What's going on here? Every spirit that comes that can say, he says, test the spirits to see if they be true. And then he gives us a litmus test. And then you try the litmus test. You spoke it. Hey, well, can you say Jesus is Lord? 
and you know they're not saved, and you know that they've got demons, and you know that they're in like a cult or a Satanist or a, you know, a witch or they're practicing new age, and, and you know it. And you give them this litmus test and you say, can you say Jesus is Lord? Can you say, and they say yes. Can you say that Jesus has come in the flesh? And they say yes. And you're going, what happened? I thought that, so I'm seeing lots of, yeah, that's happened to me. I'm seeing faces, yeah. What this means can you say Jesus is Lord? This is not a literal, just regurgitate these words for me, will you? It's referring to a public confession of the deity and the sovereignty of the Lord. And it's referring to a life that lives by this statement, not just a life that can regurgitate the words. But some of you didn't know that. And the enemy will come in like a thief in the night and trying to deceive even the elect if possible. The reason that I feel it's important that we bring up certain key things in this church is because in the, in the last days, darkness becomes darker. People become, things are in your face and, it's, and it, there's too much, too much mixture and Christianity just saying, oh, this is okay. It's not. If it's not okay, it's not okay. And we can't be okay with that. But we have to know by discernment. And so in a, in a situation like this, just because someone can say the words, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus has come in the flesh, does not necessarily make them a believer. It just makes them somebody that has an idea, an understanding, and they can say it. They can say the words, but do they live it? The key is a submission to that Jesus Christ that you just spoke. And the key is a yieldedness to his sovereignty and a public confession of, his, of that faith. Did I make myself clear? So yeah, so there you go. There's wisdom for you. There is wisdom. I'm teaching you again today because teaching is important because when you get understanding because you have teaching, you can add that to your learning and you grow wise, wise in the Lord, right? Amen. And we need wisdom in the churches today. So every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. This is the test that he says to test to see if, if they be true. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Well, obviously, that's the obvious one, right? If they will not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, they're not of God. Well, that's an obvious statement, right? No problem there. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard. Hey, we're reading all this to get up to the part where we said you are overcomers because he who is you in you is greater than he who is overcome, right? That who he who is in the world. We're reading all of this to show you what have you overcome? Deception. What have you overcome? The enemy's lies and assignments. What have you overcome? The enemy's agenda. That's what you've overcome. The Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Verse 3. Now, already in the world. Verse 4, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world, hear, it says, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. Why did you think 
they were going to understand when you shared that praise? Why were you disappointed when you shared that wonderful testimony and that story and you got nothing but a blank, dead stare? Why were you thinking, wow, I shared this and I, with everything that I had, I gave it to them, I explained, I give God the glory, I explained it all, and there was just this blank. Or it's a flipping, they didn't get it, and they clearly just flipped the whole thing and what they just... We live in a world where, and I don't care if they call themselves a Christian or not, because remember, the prince of the power of the air is blinded the minds of some people, and there's deception starts to creep in. They can still be saved and still not here. So when you are around an individual, say, you know, saved, it doesn't matter. When you're around somebody, you're sharing a testimony. You're telling them of the goodness of God. Look at what God did. And then you're like literally like deflated, disappointed. You walk away going, really? Right? Join the club. I mean, like, I, I get that. When I, I'm seeing so many heads going, yeah, yeah. But this verse right here explains to us very, very clearly. Um, verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. Well, if they knew God, and I, see, again, what do you mean he who knows God hears us? Knowing is not just I can hear. But knowing is I understand Right? Just like when it said before, if you can say Jesus is Lord, Jesus has come in the flesh. It's not just a regurgitation of words, but it is an expression of truth that is actually founded within the individual and a stability of where they've centered their life. Totally different. Amen. Totally different. Right? So it says here, verse, verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. Those that are of God, in other words, that really know God, that walk in the obedience to the Lord, will hear you. They'll hear you. That's why when somebody has a testimony here, what do we do? We shout. We praise. You know, we give God the glory. We're not ashamed to give him glory. Nobody takes the credit. Nobody takes the glory. God says, I'm not going to share my glory with another. We don't steal the glory, but we certainly praise what God just has done in our midst or what we hear. Absolutely. But we do this because we, we believe God at his word. We expect God because we believe him. Right? We are of God. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. See, the spirit of truth always wants to give glory to God, and the spirit of error always wants to give glory to man. The spirit of truth, if you're really walking in the spirit of truth, then you're walking in truth. Truth illuminates darkness. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the light, right? And so the spirit of truth is going to give glory to the heavenly father, where the spirit of error, there's something wrong with it. It's an error there. It's a spirit. Faith is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. There's a spirit of error that gives glory to man and not to God. 